Welcome to the Fireman Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and in this episode, we'll be talking about a new book on situational awareness. We bring this podcast to support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage and the competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Mantis X. The Mantis X is a must-have for any serious firearm instructor. The Mantis X is a high-tech, lightweight, precision sensor that attaches to a gun, analyzes a shooter's movement patterns, and displays all the information in real time on a smartphone or tablet. The Manus X gives instructors objective, data-driven feedback on things that you and I can't see so that you can coach your students more effectively. Get 10% off with promo code FTP10 at MantisX.com. Today, we'll be talking with Gary Creasonberry, a DHS agent. Welcome, Gary. How are things going? Hey, Rob. How's it going? Good to see you again. Doing, doing great. Glad you can make time in your uh, schedule to come on the show today because I think uh you got something really important that I think we can discuss and, and give our instructors out there a little bit of an idea of uh, things they can do to maybe uh, add to their classes that they're teaching. But before, yeah, we yeah. Jump, before we jump into that, in case uh, people don't recognize who Gary Cuisenberry is, uh, can you give our listeners a little bit of your uh, background? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I was uh, born and raised in a little town, Silvatus, Virginia, you know, so I kind of grew up in the outdoors and my family always kind of fostered a patriotic spirit. So whenever I Came of age. I joined the Army. Uh, did a few years in the Army. I was a veteran of Operation Desert Storm. I was an artilleryman. Uh, after that, I got out. I took a few years to kind of kind of find my footing after I got out of the Army, figure out what I wanted to do in civilian life. I uh, got a job working for the government. I started off in the, uh, the Bureau of Prisons. I did that for several years. And then, you know, like a lot of you know, patriotic Americans, 9-11 kind of th- changed things for me. So, you know, shortly after you know, those events, I signed up for the Department of Homeland Security and started training and was assigned to my first field office in early 2002. And I've been doing that ever since. Well, thank you for your service in so many different ways to keep us safe out there and uh, lots of different ways. That's been my pleasure. Uh, okay. You wrote a book uh, called Spotting Danger Before It Spots You. Yeah. Can you give our listeners a little bit of, you know, what was the drive behind writing this book? Because uh, there's a lot of different books out there, but I think yours is uh, rather unique. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think everybody in our field has read several books on the subject of situational awareness. You know, you've got books that, that touch on the topic, like uh, On Killing and On Combat by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, mm-hmm. uh, Left of Bang. Uh, the Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. There's so many great books out there and they all kind of touch on different aspects of situational awareness. Some of them are geared more towards military and law enforcement personnel. So my goal in all of this was, and, and it doesn't matter what you do for a living, uh, or you, know, you don't have to be in military law enforcement. Situational awareness plays a huge, important part in everybody's personal safety. And we see that you know, day in and day out working in law enforcement. But I wanted to write a book that was specifically for people that maybe didn't have that kind of background. You know, it's just for people that take their kids to soccer practice or, you know, they're going on a family vacation or, you know, a a young man going off to college or whatever, you know, that they can read this book and kind of take something away to help them develop their situational awareness and increase their own personal safety. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I was lucky enough to get a, uh, early release, uh, copy from you. And I thought it was, uh, really, really interesting because it takes, it takes that little bit of different spin and puts it into civilian terms. And sure. a lot of, a lot of times, uh, there's great material out there, but you can take it on, put a little different spin on it and really make it applicable to the, you know, family that's going, going out to dinner, or you've got some, yeah. you know, a young person that is uh, traveling, you know, by themselves uh, going off to yeah. college or even, you know, an elderly person when they go along and they're doing things and they're answering their door when there's a knock at the door, different things like that, that you, we get into this uh, mode where, you know, I never thought that would happen. Right. Well, one of the things that why that happens is we've got this bias. All of us do normalcy to where we look at something. And we always try to figure out what's normal about it. Where yeah. in reality, we should be looking at it the opposite way, you know, like what, what's sticking out. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned all those different scenarios because the book that I'm writing now is just the first book in a four book series. So it's called the heads up series. It's being published by YMAA publications. Uh, they write a lot of self-defense books or publish a lot of self-defense books, I should say. And, uh, you know, they felt like this was a niche that needed to be filled because it doesn't matter if, if, you know, you carry a gun or you're law enforcement or you're a black belt in jujitsu or, you know, whatever, whatever kind of self-defense you practice or, you know, martial art you practice, you, you can never fight what you can't see coming. If something catches you off guard, you're always going to be reactive. You're always going to be slower and you're always going to have, you know, the, the other person's always going to have the upper hand if they catch you off guard. So that's what this is all about. The first book, uh, you know, Spotting Danger Before It Spots You is just general situational awareness for everybody. And it puts it out in simple terms with some real life kind of scenarios as to, you know, how you can help build and, and develop that situational awareness. The second book in the series is going to be specifically for travelers. So, you know, people that are going off on vacation, be it a road trip or a cruise or going overseas for the first time individually or with their family. Uh, the third one in the series is going to be for parents about how to teach your children about situational awareness, young children. And then the final book in the series will be for young adults who are going off for the first time, be it to college or they're going to go, you know, on some sort of a trip to try to, you know, kind of center themselves before they decide what they want to do with the rest of their lives. But those right now, that's the you know, the four, the four books that I'm looking at writing. One will come out every year for the next four years. This one will be released May the 1st. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. I think it's going to do well. So what you're telling us is that we should leave some space on our bookcases for these additional <laughs> books, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so leave a few extra slots. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's um, really, really uh, neat to have a series of books because when we, when you think about it, you know, you were talking about heads up and seeing you can't, you can't fight what you don't see. And right. you know, so many times and I know listeners have heard me talk about this, that the gun is not the uh, be all end all when it comes to a situation. I mean, right. if you're going to use a gun, it's because nothing up till that you've missed all the cues up to that point. Exactly. And when you go along and really think about it in a defensive terms, if you can identify a situation that's going bad and get out of there, that's a win. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that's what the whole book is about because not everybody carries a gun, you know, either for a living or for, you know, defensive care. Or you can't carry it every place you go either. Right. Exactly. You're not always going to be armed. You know, I, it's, uh, you know, I have the luxury of being armed because I'm a law enforcement officer and I can carry a gun in places that most people can't, but 
you know, a lot of people, they find themselves out to dinner or at the theater or wherever, you know, and what, what I want to teach people is that people who intend to do you harm stick with a very specific set of indicators, things that they do naturally in preparation for an attack. And if you learn how to spot those things, you know, to see, to see, uh, you know, how a person stands or how they blade away from you, you know, how they impede your movement or, you know, they make these, you know, unwanted advances or whatever. You can see these things and, and kind of get the sense that somebody's up to no good and then come up with a plan to get out of the situation before the real threat ever manifests itself. And that's what the whole book's for. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, the one thing I tell people all the time is we're the only animals on the planet that, you know, we're given this gift of intuition and, you know, we have the tools that we need to be able to spot danger before it happens and remove ourselves from the situation. But instead of listening to what our instincts are telling us, we're the only animals on the planet that will look at a threat and try to rationalize it and try to justify its presence. And then because of our egos, sometimes we try to confront that threat. And that's not always the smartest option. So. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I really like about your book is this applies to, you know, being downtown Detroit and in some of the tough parts of the city there or any city in the United States, but it also applies for when you're in foreign countries. I mean, sure. you could be in Mexico, you could be in Canada, you can be in Europe, Asia. And the one thing that's interesting is all these kind of indicators yeah. are very similar between cultures because they might be wearing something different or they might be speaking a different language. But like you said, if, if I impede your movement, doesn't matter what language I'm talking. I'm I'm speaking to you in in a very physical terms, and I'm probably you know trying trying to do you harm or Absolutely. setting you up for harm to happen to you. Same yeah. thing if if I go along and you know confront you, you know, doesn't matter language or what I'm wearing. Guess what? That's a, that you've got to cue in on what you're what you need to do for that. And those yeah. are all uh, those indicators that. You know, you can go along and say, ah, you know, that only happens in the bad part of my town. Right. Well, guess what? Bad part of town could literally be any place. Oh, absolutely. You're honest I mean, about you it. At, you, sit, you sit there and you watch the news. I mean, just, you know, what was it, last week? A six-year-old girl, you know, turns up dead in South Carolina, in a, in a little neighborhood in South Carolina. And I'm sure everybody in that neighborhood thought that, you know, nothing like that would ever happen here. But it did. And like you said, you know, there's always certain pre-incident indicators. Uh, granted, we're not going to always see everything coming all the time. It's hard for anybody to stay that switched on, be it an individual or a community. But, you know, these pre-incident indicators that I talk about in the book, they're all universal and they apply to everyone. Be, you know, it doesn't matter where you're from, your race, your religion, your, your skin color, your sex, none of that. It, th- these things happen almost, uh, you know, without us even knowing it whenever we're ready to try to cause harm to someone or when we're getting ready to defend ourselves from harm. So, you know, it's all, it's all, you know, it's, it's something that I've read about extensively over the course of my career and working in some of the fields that I've worked in, especially when it comes to like dealing with inmates and stuff in the, in the federal prison system, you know, you learn to rely a lot on, on what your instincts are telling you because your body has a way of identifying things and, your intuition is nothing more than it's a cognitive process, but it moves so fast. It kind of bypasses your logical thought process and tells you in the back of your mind, something's wrong right now and you need to get out of here. So we all have that in us. But like I said, we all try to rationalize it away sometimes. And that's, it's not very smart. When we hear it speak to us, we need to listen to it. If we want to stay safe. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And 
working in prisons, you're working in other, uh, you know, security professions. Uh, yeah. Those are all things that uh, you've really got to listen to. And, you know, from a civilian standpoint, we've, we've got to get more tuned into it. And I think, you know, from an instructor standpoint, we need to teach our, our students to tune into that because, you know, we've all been taught to be polite and courteous and mm-hmm. different things like that. And that's great to be, you know, to other people that, that deserve it. But at the same time, when somebody crosses that line and they are challenging you or they're doing something to set you up, you've got to be able to recognize that because that's not the time to go along and be nice. That's the time to go along and get out of there or do something so you're not put into a compromised situation. Right. Right. And being able to pick up on those little indicators well in advance and, and kind of see something materializing before it actually happens. You know, basically when you, when you're able to do that, you give yourself a lot more options as opposed to just being reactive to something. You can actually be a little more proactive about it. So like I write about in the book, we all basically have four options when it comes to, you know, spotting danger. And if we can spot it ahead of time, you have the option of avoidance, which 100% of the time is the safest option. Uh, You've got the option of escape. And then after that, you've got de-escalation and confrontation. So, like I said, if you can see it happening, if you can see it before it manifests itself and you have a plan to get away from it before it actually happens, then that's always going to be your best bet, especially if you're with your children, you're with your family or whatever. You want to you know, put your ego aside and just get the hell out of there. It's always going to be your best bet. The escape piece is like when something's materializing in front of you, you have to react to it now, but you do see an avenue for escape because you're able to kind of pre-plan a little bit by knowing your area, a little bit of area familiarization and stuff whenever you, before you go out. And then of course you got de-escalation, be it verbal or, you know, whatever. And then confrontation and confrontation is where people get hurt. So that's what you want to try to avoid at all costs. If you can, like I said, you know, not everybody's carrying a gun, not everybody's a black belt in jujitsu or works in some high speed law enforcement job. So the confrontation piece is where most people end up getting, getting hurt. Yep, because let's face it, bad guys are not going to go there and have something to where it's like, yeah, I know they're going to use their right hand. They're going to pull out, right. you know, a pistol from here, and they're going to go along and do this. You yeah, know, they could have a knife. They could have. They could have a, a bat. They could have, you know, any number of things that could hurt you and harm you. And from that situation, you've you're you're really reacting to whatever they're going to do. And yeah. unless you do have some. Uh, skills you may not be able to turn the tide against them and, that, and that's a yeah. challenge we see that all the time in the news when police officers get overcome by you know criminals and they're already trained as civilians we've yeah. got we've got even tougher because you know we've we've got to be able to recognize that and it's not something we do every single day right and you know the reason i call this book series the heads up series is because you know we're not doing ourselves any favors like everybody wants to wants to prepare for the, you know, the zombie apocalypse with all the firearms training and, you know, have a safe full of guns in the house and, you know, get to do all this cool high speed stuff. But in the meantime, we're all kind of walking around like zombies ourselves. You know, we're looking down at our cell phones. We're constantly (laughs) sucked into social media and just paying attention to anything other than what's going around us in that immediate moment. So that's why I call it the heads up series, because, you know, like it or not, people are sizing you up all the time. And especially predators, like predators in the book, I talk about, you know, there's been studies conducted where a predator can pick their prey within seven seconds. They look at certain things and within seven seconds, they can make the decision whether or not, you know, they would attack you based on if they consider you to be a hard target or a soft target. 
And a soft target would be somebody who's walking around, not paying attention, completely oblivious, looking at their cell phone, you know, texting. They got headphones in. They're not listening, you know, to their surroundings or watching their surroundings. And, you know, these are things that, that uh, you know, a predator cues in on really quickly. And, you know, I, I call it the seven second prod and prod being an acronym. You know, they're going to look at you perception, uh, risk, observable value and defenses. That's, that's the prod, right? Now, the perception is if they look at you and they see that you got your head down looking at your cell phone, you're not paying attention, or you're, you seem kind of timid or weak and you're avoiding confrontation or eye contact, then uh, you know, they may perceive you as weak. That's their perception. You know, the risk would be how much risk do you pose to them? Because at the end of the day, somebody that wants to do harm to someone else, they're really more concerned about their own safety. They're not going to go up against some you know, some dude that looks all jacked up, he's got a couple of cauliflower ears and probably has a couple of, you know, MMA fights under his belt. That's not the kind of person they're looking to go after. Mm-hmm. The, uh, you know, the observable value is if you're walking around with a backpack, you know, maybe a laptop case or a briefcase or, you know, you got a wallet hanging out of your back pocket full of money, whatever. And then the other one is a, your lot, a lot of Gucci, you know, jewelry yeah, exactly, or something yeah, like that. Exactly. You know, high dollar watches, observable value, you know, these are all things that the, within seven seconds, you know, they look at you and they size you up and they decide based on that information that they're taking in, whether or not they would want to attack you. And you can make a couple of minor modifications to the way you walk and interact with your surroundings, the things that you carry on your person when you go out into the world and pretty much discourage people from, you know, you're taking kind of a proactive stance. You can discourage people from, from approaching you just based on the way you carry yourself. And I think that's important for a lot of people to learn. That's very good. You know, the whole time you were describing that, Gary, um, I spent a lot of time out in the woods because I like to hunt. But everything you described to me, I I could picture being on the on the Serengeti Plains of Africa where they show the the lions, you know, and the yeah. wildebeest. They don't go for the lead wildebeest because he's they're they're wow. too hard to catch. They right. catch the ones that are at the end. Same thing when you know in the Midwest here we've got coyotes and bobcats and yeah. you, you watch them you know they're they're very stealthy and they very quickly size up okay there's four deer in a field which one are they going to go after and yeah. they're they're doing that same kind of si- sizing you know what where's the value which one's going to be easiest perceived yeah. value and yeah, yes, they're, they're constantly they're, weighing risk versus reward yeah. And, yeah. and yeah they're not always successful you know just like no. we've seen on tv before the lions aren't always successful but no. guess what they're a lot more successful in getting in catching a prey at some point um, by using those than by just running after every single one they see. And yeah. I think that's the one thing we need to realize when it comes to our uh, when we're out in public or when we're we're talking to people about what they do out in public because we are we've got our our eyes down into our phones, checking mm-hmm. social media. We've got, you know, we're listening to music on our headsets. We're, we're doing things that distract and take away from our ability to perceive what's, what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and th- you know, those are important it, things for everybody to consider. Yeah. And you think about it from the predator's perspective, like Ted Bundy once said that he could spot his victim by the tilt of her head. You know, like he could just tell by the way a girl was carrying herself that, you know, whether or not he could victimize that, that woman. And that's something that I talk about pretty extensively in the book. And the book's broken down into, into three different phases. And the first one is like understanding the threat, like putting yourself in that predatory mindset so that you know what they're looking for. Because if you understand how they work, what, how they think, what they're looking for, then you better know how to prepare yourself and what, you know, what deficiencies in the way you carry yourself and 
the way you're perceived in the world can be corrected so that you're not such an appealing target. So that's, you know, the first thing I talk about in the book is to kind of put yourself in that predatory mindset. And that's not easy for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people just, they, they don't have that in them. So I try to kind of walk them through it and, uh, you know, make it easy as possible to start thinking about some of the things that a predator may think about. Mm-hmm. And there's actually exercises in the book too, that the readers can go along with and kind of play when they're out in public. And, you know, it's, uh, some of it may get a little dark at times, you know, like when you're, when you're putting yourself in that mindset, but I think it's an important exercise. Let me take a guess that probably when you were in the federal prison system that you felt like you were being sized up every day, every day, um, because you're in a prison, it is full of predators. One, you know, at, at one end of the scale or the other end of the scale, yeah. they're looking for the guard that they can intimidate. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking for other inmates they can intimidate. They can do sure. all those types of things. And, you know, that's, that's one of those areas where, you know, the, the civilians, we, we probably don't get a, as much uh, practice at it as you do probably being, being in the prison system like that. Cause you've got to be right. on, on the ball 24 hours a day or for your entire shift because one slip and all of a sudden they can either injure you or, you know, the, you know, something else is going on, which you don't want to don't want to be happening too. Yeah. I had a, I had a really good friend of mine uh, that I worked with in West Virginia who actually got his throat kicked in on, uh, on an evening watch shift on Christmas Eve one year. And, uh, you know, the, the guys out there doing his job and it was just because he dropped his guard for a, for a split second, you know, and you don't know what the motivation is with a lot of these guys. Some of them are just crazy. This guy just happened, you know, he wanted to, to be bumped up to a higher security facility. And he figured the best way for him to do that was to attack, a you know, to, to attack one of us. Mm-hmm. And he chose the guy that he thought he could get away with it. And, you know, he pounced when he, when he saw his opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, it's hard to keep your head on a swivel and be turned on all the time, but you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot in the book about how to best kind of uh, manage, you know, those situations where you can't be switched on all the time and the things, things you can do to protect yourself when you do have to kind of slip into what, you know, what's almost conditioned white where you're not necessarily, you know, paying attention to everything in your surroundings when you're feeling kind of comfortable and you've got to kind of take a minute to decompress. But it's, uh, you know, it's a big crazy world out there, man. And there's a, a lot of people out there walking around in it that really don't, you know, understand, understand the, the actual threat that's out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of it, you know, in my mind, summarizing it, it's paying attention to details. You, know, yeah. you can be in condition white and everything's fine. Everything's good. But, you know, if somebody comes walking up to you, you can't stay in white. You've got to bump up the yellow. You've got to be able right. to, you know, oscillate between them. Then obviously if that person just sits down at the table next to you, that's mm-hmm. one scenario. But what happens if they get closer? You know, how, cl- how close do you let them get before you, you know, you know, meet their, meet their, uh, you know, eyes and, you know, look at them and let them know that you see them or, you know, yeah. at what point would you go along and change your positions because you think they might be, you know, coming to, you know, attack you or something else like that. Or if there's, yeah. you know, multiple people that are coming with them, all those things that got to run through your mind as you're eating dinner with your family. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, I used to play little games. It probably drove my kids nuts, but you know, my kids are all older now. They're grown. They're out of the house. All three of my kids are in the military. You know, I've got a son in the army, a daughter in the Navy and a daughter in the air force. Wow. So, you know, when they were, when they were growing up, you know, we used to go to the, like, like every parent, you go to ball games, you go to the mall, you go, you know, here and there, you go to the movies or whatever. And I was constantly playing what I call the what if games, you know, with my kids. And, you know, 
okay, this guy walking towards us in the mall, what if, you know, what if that guy had a knife and he started just slashing at people? Where would you go? What would you do? You know, and just, just situations like that, playing these what if games, you know, I kind of write in the book, you know, I kind of thank my children for that, for putting up with it. And hopefully they took a little bit of, you know, something away from it that helps them in their careers in the military, but you know, it's valuable. And, you know, my kids to this day will tell you that, you know, don't, don't let them catch you in condition white when you shouldn't be because they'll call you on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, it's a, you know, it's kind of fun to see that, see that kind of manifest itself in them and the way they, you know, handle themselves now as adults. How's that one saying going, the body uh, won't go where the mind hasn't been before or so. And and that's where, you know, playing the what if that allows you to go along. Okay. You know, where are the exits where, you know, how would you retreat? How would you, you know, get by the person? There's are there things to defend? And that's where, you know, thinking about it might sound a little bit dark, but at the same time, if something happens, you know, like we've seen in churches and in shopping centers and schools, if somebody hasn't thought about it, guess what? You're, you know, know, you're going to be caught flat footed trying to figure out a situation that is uh, changing, you know, very dynamically and it's very dangerous. Yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, there's the old saying that action is faster than reaction, but always argue that it's the unanticipated action. Unanticipated action is faster than reaction. Like if I can anticipate it before it actually happens, then I actually do myself, you know, I give myself the benefit of a split second that I can react quicker than the people around me. And that could very well save your life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's important that you, you know, you stay in tune with your environment and take in these little visual cues. But not only that, you know, like you said, you have to be able to visualize how you would react in certain situations because without that visualization piece, everything, it's just theory, you know, and you don't really know how you're going to react in any given situation. But the mm-hmm. visualization helps. You know, there's a, uh, the study I talk about in my book where uh, uh, a guy took, took uh, basketball players and he had them for a series of days, you know, one group, they practiced free throws for like three hours a day, every day. The other group, they didn't practice free throws at all. They just visualized free throws. And then the other group, they just, they visualized free throws and practiced. And the group that didn't never, they never touched the basketball. All they did was visualize it, did just as good as the group that, practiced every day you know now you pair that you know the shooting the free throws with the visualization and of course those guys did way better so you know the training the visualization it all it all comes together so it's you you want to give yourself as many as many aces up your sleeve as you can when it comes to to beating a threat okay well as we you know we always try to prepare for the um unexpected type of thing and i think you know we, we do the firearm training we you know we go along we learn the laws so we know you know parameters we can work within. I think uh, your book is going to be one of those that's going to be a must read for a lot of people because we've also got to train our mind about what to do and how to do it. Because like you said, if we can avoid something altogether, that's a win. I mean, if we, if we can leave the shopping mall before the shooting happens, yeah. you know, we're guaranteed to make it home. And those, awesome. th- those are the things where, uh, you know, we've, we've got to visualize it, but if we haven't visualized it to figure out, okay, what, how would we get out of this restaurant? You know, if there, you know, there's one yeah. do- front door and how do, how would we get out the back door and think about it? Then we're going to be caught 100% flat footed on, uh, you know, whatever we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because at that point you're just being completely reactionary. And if that ever happens, like you said, everything's so dynamic and so stressful and it's changing so quickly that, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of rational thought in your reactions, you know, you get that, you know, 
uh, fight, flight, or freeze response going on, you know, and, and if you want to fight, fine, fight. If you want to flee, fine, you know, get the hell out of there. But that freeze response is what happens to a lot of people. And that's the one that will get you killed when you can't rationalize what's going on around you and you have no, no means for developing a plan in the moment. So you just kind of lock up and that's, uh, you know, it's always a dangerous thing. Yep. Well, for those hunters out there, I mean, we've all been, uh, hunting and we've seen situations to where, you know, the animal just literally freezes, you know, there's two deer and you yeah. shoot one and the other one just stands there and it's like, yeah. That wouldn't be my reaction, but at the same time, has that has that deer ever you know been exposed to what they should or shouldn't do? And that right. those are those are important lessons. Now, obviously, deer don't go to school to learn how to react <laughs> things, but I think our uh, listeners have a pretty good uh, idea of what your book is about and some of the takeaways they could take and yeah. bring to the classes that they teach. Because you know, mentally, we get a lot more bang for the buck. Um, sure. our time that we invest than um, sitting there and shooting every single weekend. We should be, you know, building our, our, our brains up as much as we're building our trigger finger or, or our, our sight pictures. Absolutely. It's often sure. been said that the, you know, the mind is the ultimate weapon and mm -hmm. you know, w without that, you're just, uh, you know, you're, like you said, you're just pulling the trigger. You got to be able to think your way through, you know, every instance that you find yourself in. But, you know, for the people that don't, carry a gun or they don't practice martial arts or whatever, you know, they have just as much of a chance at survival in a violent encounter as, as the person carrying a gun, you know, if they know, you know, if, if they're in tune with their surroundings, if they know what to look for and they can develop a plan in the moment to, to get themselves away from the danger. And that's what it's all about. Super. Well, Hey, Gary, we appreciate you coming on the podcast today. We've been uh, asking all our podcast guest this year um reading interesting books besides your own this year obviously <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what man i've been so busy with the writing and the editing the editing process is just you know i never realized what a you know what a task that was but the the guys at ymaa publications are just phenomenal and uh, i'm really excited about the book that's coming out but as far as what i'm reading on my own i'm actually reading uh uh hold on one second i've got it right here it's uh, I can't put it down. Actually, it's uh, John Meacham. It's a biography of Thomas Jefferson called The Art of Power. Okay. And uh, I really, I'm a big fan of history, uh, especially when it comes to American history and uh, you know our founding fathers and the whole American Revolution and the things that those guys went through, the stuff that they sacrificed and and stuff to make this country what it is today. I, I just really enjoy reading all that. And this is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it if anybody's looking for something, something good to 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 sit back and relax with that's the first uh historical book i believe that we've had uh this yeah. year so that that'll, <laughs> that'll be an interesting one to go uh, check because the one thing i find so amazing and i remember hearing this when i was in grade school but basically um when the when everybody signed the declaration of independence they were mm -hmm. signing their own death warrants sure because yeah. obviously i mean the king of england yeah. if you know if he would have caught them they would have been strung up. They would have been, you know, sent to the gallows, you know, whatever they would have had, they would have been, you know, tried for treason. Yeah, and totally. that's a hell of a statement to be that frustrated with the government, with the current government to go along sure. and put your, literally put your life on the line and say, we're not going to have this anymore. Right. I mean, it wasn't just their lives, you know, I mean, it was the lives, you know, their life, but it was also their families. I mean, everybody talks about it. It's easy to look back now and be like, well, it's just a bunch of white property owners and they were doing this to kind of secure their own, 
you know, but that, that's not the case. I mean, these guys had a lot to lose. They had more to lose than, than anybody else. And, you know, they weren't doing it for themselves. They were doing it for the people that, you know, that lived around mm-hmm. and, you know, that, that you don't have to necessarily have a, you know, a giant plantation like Thomas Jefferson did, you know, to want to, you know, have, have freedom in your own space. And that's what, that's what those guys were fighting to secure. Well, they, they had the ideals. And when Absolutely. you think about it, thinkers. You know, yeah. yeah uh, you know, that's what the America's was based on were those ideals of, you know, you know, free people, you know, yeah. and, and freedom to be able to go along and, and do what they want. And yeah. those are, those are some very, very good principles when you think about it, because why should I tell you what to do? Cause I don't want you to tell me what to do. Right. And at the same time, you know, I should be able to do whatever I want you know, on my land with my property, with my money yeah. and not, not, you know, have other people, um, impacting because I'm the best decision on, on what I spend my money on or my time on. And, and those are yeah. all things that, um, it's, it's, you know, it's funny too, because I read books like this and, you know, you talked about the, the state that we're in now and you watch the news and, you know, everything be it positive or negative that's going on in politics right now, you know, there's truly nothing new under the sun. And these guys <laughs> dealt, with the same stuff like Thomas Jefferson, I was reading in this book, you know, where he was so frustrated because every word that came out of his mouth got twisted and taken out of context. And, you know, the people that were against him were using it to try to try to derail his presidency. And, you know, you, you see that still today, you know, they, they deal with a lot of the same frustrations. It's just now it's more, you know, instantaneous as opposed to, you know, <laughs> Somebody taking something. I know why I like it, Gary, because that's the same thing I say. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter what you call or call, call the uh, political parties. They all yeah. do the same thing. Oh, all absolutely. do the same thing. And then at the same time, we've still got the same problems to where you, know, you look back 100, 200 years ago in the political races. Right. They were hilarious when you look back at them and you see, you know, people calling each other swines and pigs yeah. and all that on, on yeah, debate absolutely. stages because they'd go from city to city because they didn't have, you know, TV or radio. Right. And it just had to be hilarious. All what I got to yeah. say, um, I mean, we obviously historically we're looking back at it, but yeah. you know, to hear these people, you know, insulting each other live on a stage in front of, you know, a hundred <laughs> people or something else like yeah. it had to be very entertaining, just like it is today watching uh, debates. It's, uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of entertaining. Kinda, yeah. It's kind of the same thing, but you know, I, you know, me being a Virginian, you know, I love reading these books about my fellow Virginians, you know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison. And, uh, you know, kind of the struggles that they dealt with back in those days. And when I was a kid in the sixth grade, we went on a school trip to Monticello, you know, his, uh, his, his home, the plantation that you know, he built in Virginia. And that was, uh, you know, that, that was, I think that was the moment in my childhood where I was like, all right, this, this stuff is real. You know, this isn't just stuff that I'm reading in books or that my teachers are trying to pound into my head. This, you know, these people actually lived here, and, you know had families here and loved and lost and all the stuff. And I just became a huge fan of American history at that point. And that's something that's followed me through my whole life. Mm-hmm. American history is very unique. You know, the way the country is, was formed, sure. what, you know, how we went about it. And that's where, yeah. you know, we should all cherish the history and, and learn from it because there isn't anything really new going on. We're still dealing with people. It just, right. uh, the speed has, has changed a little bit. And that's where, uh, if you understand it, you can sit back and laugh a little bit because, uh, mm-hmm. 2020 is going to go down mm-hmm. the record books. It's all I got to say. Yeah. We, well, haven't, I mean, it, we know, haven't seen the worst yet. <laughs> that's why, you know, uh, people say all the time that, you know, people that don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. 
So it's, it's, I think it's important that we, look, that we look back at that and we study it and kind of take some of the concepts and principles that those guys applied and try to, try to make them new again, you know, in our current mm-hmm. situation. Well, realize what the commitment was. I mean, if they were, sure. if, if they were committed enough to sign their death warrants and maybe yeah. we should, how many people would be it? willing to do that today? You know? Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, politicians, these self-interested politicians, how many people would put their <laughs> name on a piece of paper that they knew if something went just the least little bit south that they would end up, you know, strung up on a gallow somewhere. I don't, I don't think there'd be a lot of them that would do it. Well, I would just settle for taking responsibility. I told you I was going to do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. So I'm, I'm not even going to run for yeah. reelection. I know that wouldn't happen, but Hey, Never before we do, before we dr- uh, drop off into the uh, political uh, yeah. stratosphere, yeah. Hey Gary, can you tell people where people can find more information about Gary Cuisenberry and your book and timing for everything? Yeah, absolutely. So the book right now is on Amazon and it's, uh, it's available uh, for pre-order on Amazon. Uh, it's going to be available everywhere bookstores or everywhere books are sold, I should say, on May the 1st. That's when the hard copies are actually going to come out. Uh, you can also get the ebook and everything. You can pre-order that on Amazon. Uh, like I said, May 1st is the release date. Uh, it's going to be released by YMAA Publications and you can find more information about it. I've got a new website. It's uh, GaryQuestenberry.com. And you can actually get on there and kind of read a little bit more about the book. And you can reach out to me, contact me. We can talk a little bit about it. And I also offer a course that I'm going to be teaching that's kind of in relation to the book, you know, just teaching situational awareness. If you got a group of people, that's how this all started was me putting together a class for a group of instructors. That you and I have some common friends in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, once I started seeing this thing take shape, take shape i turned it into a book and now i want to be able to take that out and teach it to, to anybody that wants to learn it so but all that information's on the website uh i've also got a line of concealment holsters you know so i know your listeners are into that kind of thing <laughs> uh q series holsters it's a uh, q series llc.com the little minimalist inside the waistband holsters just concealed carry you can take a look at those and then uh all of my social media stuff instagram facebook everything is on the uh the the links on my website GaryQuestenberry.com. So you can find me there. Very, 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 very cool about that. And I have one of your Q series, uh, holsters and I do have to say it's very minimalistic and fits my Glock very well. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad you like it. That's a wrap for this episode. we got a few requests for our listeners. Visit our sponsor, Fire Trainers Association at FTAProtect.com and use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or wherever you have social media at and spread the word to other instructors. We want to get this out to as many as possible. We're coming up to our 52nd episode here, uh, having uh, been around for almost a full year now, and we'd like to have as many as possible. If you have any input, questions, feedback, please email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And I will respond to you. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry. The Second Amendment, most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay aware and stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.